tell you this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then that third verse applies to you. When I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die to take away my sin, that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Let me just tell you something. If you're saved this morning, that ought to mean something to you. Amen. Let's stand and let's look at verse number four. Verse number four. This last verse ought to mean something to you too. Because if you know Christ as your Savior, when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Amen. One of these days, if we know Christ, we're going to go to heaven. Amen. That's going to be a grand time together. Let's sing it out on that last verse. Page number two, verse number four. When Christ shall come. With shout of acclamation And take me home What joy shall fill my heart Then I shall bow In humble adoration And there proclaim My God, how great Thou art Then sings my soul My Savior God to Thee how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to me. How great thou art, how great thou art. Amen. Great start this morning. Boy, we do serve a great God. Amen. Amen. Sure glad to have you here uh, this morning. Certainly those tuning in on live stream as well. We're sure thankful uh, for that. We had a great time at the uh, couples retreat over the weekend and sure looking forward to a great day uh, in the Lord's house uh, today. It's certainly been good to have Brother Jeff and Miss Esther Glazeman here uh, with us out of Temple Baptist Church there in El Dorado, Kansas. And they have been working very diligently on the missions house uh, over there. 
And it's like a completely different place on the inside. And uh, we enjoyed uh, last uh, this past Wednesday night going over there and, and putting our names and Scripture on the walls and things like that. If you didn't get a chance to do that, you can probably still do that, maybe in a few places, but there's already sheetrock going up, and so that's been a real blessing. Anyways, I said all that to say this tonight. Uh, he's going to be presenting the ministry that God has called him to, and already we've been partaking of that, and it's been a real uh, blessing. So looking forward uh, to that. And then, of course, uh, this coming Wednesday night, going to have uh, Fernando and Amy Padilla, our missionaries, uh, to Germany. I actually got to meet them at the couples retreat and said they were going to be passing through. And I said, well, we've got something for you to do. <laughs> Amen. So they're going to be here uh, with us as well. Just a dear, sweet family and enjoy getting uh, to meet them. But it's good to be uh, here this morning. And so let's pray, ask God's blessing uh, on our services. And we certainly need Him uh, to meet with us uh, today. I'm going to ask Brother Gary Clark if you would open us in a word of prayer, Brother. Let's remain standing and continue singing from page 186. Page 186, we don't serve a dead God this morning because He lives. Amen. The Bible declares that. Page 186, let's sing it out on that first verse. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living whatever man may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to I know that He is leading through all the stormy blasts. The day of His appearing will come at last. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to
Let's get around and shake hands together this morning. Good to have each one of you here. Glad for some that are visiting back with us today. Glad you're here as well. Page 186, if you lost that page, let's sing it out together on that last verse. Rejoice, rejoice, oh Christian. I don't see a lot of smiles this morning. There's a few. We have a lot to rejoice about, amen. Let's sing it out on that third verse. Rejoice, rejoice, oh Christian. Lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who seek Him. The help of all who find, none other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. Say amen this morning. Amen. Thankfully, it lives in my heart. As the men come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Brother Parker, would you pray for the offering this morning?
Amen. You may be seated. Ladies, that song, great song. It is no secret what God can do. If you're here this morning and don't know the Lord as your Savior, He saved most everybody in here, and He can do it for you too. Amen. Let's all stand together and turn to page 179. Page 179. The blood will never lose its power. We'll sing both verses this morning. Page 179. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power it reaches to the highest mountain it flows to the lowest valley the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power it suits my doubts and calms my fears and it dries all my tears the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power it reaches to the highest mountain it flows to the lowest valley the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power amen great singing you may be seated this morning this time right before the message we'll have a special for mrs watson
but I don't tell it enough. I don't pray enough. I don't love my neighbor as I should enough. If I try to make it by myself, I say, Lord, I need you again songs just uh, are so very appropriate for the message, amen. <clears throat> I think it would be fair to say that uh, if you're, uh, you know the Lord is your Savior uh, this morning, that song sure speaks uh, to your heart. We don't feel like we do enough, do we? And uh, there's a reason for that. That's a, that's a right feeling to have because here's why. We're debtors. We're debtors, Okay. So take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans in, in chapter number 8 this morning. And let's all stand in, in honor of God's Word if you're able to stand and realize not everybody has been here, certainly for the messages through the series or through the book of Romans. But one of the things that I said last week was this, is that really chapter number 8 is a conclusion, a conclusive chapter on the subject of, of sanctification that started Really all the way back in, in chapter number 5. Now, sanctification, if you don't know what that is, that is the idea of this, that God's people are to be set apart from the world. And set apart from sin, and we're to live unto Jesus Christ. Now, you can get mad at me about that if you want to, but I'm just telling you, that's Bible. All right? That is biblical, and be a fact, that's really what all of chapter number 6 is about. It's basically... Asking the question, are you living unto sin or unto Christ? Because salvation in salvation, listen, sin has no more dominion over you. You've been set free so that you can live unto Christ. 
All right, now here's why you got to understand that and why I bring this up. It's because right here in chapter number 8, we're going to see really how that we can live unto Jesus Christ. And here's how. Because we've been indwelt with the Spirit of God. So let's look at Romans chapter 8 and let's pick up in verse number 5, all right, and see what the Bible says. All right, here's what it says. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen. So notice in verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh, all right, cannot please God. If you're lost this morning, you cannot please God. There's only one who did, that's Jesus Christ. And you must come to Him. Okay, but look at verse number 9. Notice the, the change here in the tone. But ye are not in the flesh, if you're saved, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life. Because of righteousness. Whose righteousness? Christ's righteousness. All right, and, and notice it says this, but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwell in you. That means this, if you are saved, you have eternal life. I'm just telling you, some of you are like, oh, okay. Well, it's just for all eternity, amen. Let's not get too excited about it this morning. All right, but now here, now watch this. Now all of this, all of this is culminating to verse number 12. Look at what he says. He says, therefore, brethren, okay, if you've been saved, you've got this indwelling spirit within you, you've got eternal life, here's what he says. We are debtors. You can't do enough to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't do it. It says, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Look at verse 13. For if ye lived after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, mercy, ye shall live. So here's, here's basically the question that I would ask this morning. Very similar to chapter number 6, all right? The chapter 6 was, are you living unto sin or unto Christ? Well, here is it's this. Are you of the flesh or of the Spirit? All right, it's as simple as that. Are you saved this morning? And if you are saved, are, are you living a life that is submitted, by, or submitted to the Spirit of God? And dare I say this morning, you ought to. Well, why? Because we're debtors. Listen, this, in this day and age, there is a form of Christianity that calls men to zero responsibility. But you better understand this, that in the Bible, you find something entirely different. It does call us to responsibility if you're saved. Would you bless the preaching now?
And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. When you, when you step back, all right, and I, and I like to do this, but when you step back in your, in your mind's eye, so to speak, and you, you begin to look at, at maybe the, the bigger picture here and everything uh, in its context, all right, th- this is the way that, that I see what's, what's kind of happening in our text this morning. I, I think this, I think that really everything has been laid out and, and been dealt with uh, from the Apostle Paul. And let me, let me explain to you what I mean. Certainly we could say this, and if you've been here for these series of messages, then you would be, uh, also, I think, would agree with me. But I, I think first thing would be this, that foolish mindsets have been confronted. All right? And, and what I mean by that is this, and you, you can see this in, in chapter 6, and we've been dealing with this quite frequently through the messages up to this point. But we know this, that the Gentile believers, they now have to understand, all right, that the grace of God has been extended to them, not so they can continue in sin, but so they can have victory over their sin. You understand? Listen, the, because, and even he dealt with this, the fruit of more sin in your life, in living unto more sin, it's, it doesn't lead to more grace. He says in chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. And so he's confronted that faulty mindset, but we also know this, that in chapter 7, the Jewish believers have been confronted as well with going back to the law. And he, and he begins to explain to them, listen, the law is good, but the reason it's good is because it exposes our sin and shows us our need for Christ. All right? And so we understand that. But the law itself, the law itself doesn't lead to life. It leads to death because of what it reveals in us. It reveals our sin. And the wages of sin is death. And the idea to the Jewish believer was this, is that you're going to be a miserable individual as you go back to the law and you try to achieve something that really has already been given to you in Jesus Christ, and that is righteousness. Friend, no man can keep the law. All right, there's only one, and his name is is Jesus Christ. And so the idea here is this, is that whether you are a Jew or a Gentile that has been saved, listen, the answer to your life is not to go back to the old things, right? If you're a Jew, it's not to go back to this this religion of of the law and and works. And, And if you're a Gentile, it's not to go back to sin and immorality. The answer for your life is to surrender and submit to the one who saved you in Jesus Christ. And so he's been confronting those things. And I would say to you this, is that the other thing that he's cleared up is that once you realize those things and you do say, you know what, I do want to live for Jesus Christ, then you need to know this. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I like Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. You know what that's saying? That's saying this, that if you were one of those Jews or you were one of those Gentiles and you had gone back to the old things and listen, and now you want to come back into right fellowship with God, 
and be forgiven of God and be restored unto God so that you can live for Him? Well, guess what? There's no more condemnation, friend. It's all under the blood. And what he's saying is this. Don't let the devil use guilt to keep you from being everything that Christ intended for you to be in Him. So Paul has laid all of these things out and he's explained all of these things. And now he's let them know, listen, it's under the blood. You are forgiven. You belong to Him. And God wants to have a right relationship and a right fellowship with you and me. That's a profound thought when you think about who God is and the fact that He doesn't really need us. But yet He chooses to love us and desires to have fellowship with us and a relationship with us. And so here's the thing. Now that all of that has been laid out and everything has been cleared up for the child of God to come back to the things of God, now Paul begins to lay out the challenge to them to live that life that is controlled by the Spirit of God in our context. And the way that I see it is this, is that he's presenting this challenge in the sense of getting them to understand that you've been given wonderful things in, in the things of God, and you're, the, the responsibility you have is this, to be a faithful steward of it and to take advantage of it rather than to just let it lay by the wayside. And that's, I'm, I'm just telling you, that's why he begins, that's why he ends with this and says, listen, we're debtors. I'm just telling you, God has been good to us. And we're, we're debtors of this. I mean, you, listen, you, I, I, I'm just telling you, and, but here's the thing. We have a tendency to take what's been given to us and really, and not treat it accordingly. I remember, uh, I remember when my son was just a little fella and, uh, I was playing uh, golf and, and uh, played golf quite a bit uh, when I was pastoring in, in Cassville. I don't have time to play now. Amen. And, uh, but I would play golf quite a bit. And so my son, he, would, he, would, he wanted to play golf with me, but he really didn't have uh, any clubs uh, to play with. And, and so one of the men in our church, he had a, 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 little, a little set of, of, of children's clubs that he had bought his son when his son was little, and he asked me, and he said, do you, think, do you think Luke would want these things? And I was like, yeah. And so he's like, okay, well, and, and he gave them to him. And it was, you know, it was just a little, a little golf bag and, and had a little, little driver in there, a little bitty short thing, you know, and, and a little, little uh, iron and, and a little wedge and a little putter, you know. And, and I mean, it was just this, you know, thing. And, and uh, you know, and I'm sure it was, you know, pretty precious to him. I mean, it was his son's, but now he's, you know, he's giving it to Luke, and so Luke gets this set. He's excited about it, and he's out there, you know, hitting golf balls in the yard, and having a big time, and working on his game, and we, we would play, you know, it took him to play with me a few times, and, and uh, ran out of patience a few times. But anyways, we just really enjoyed it. Well, you know, this few weeks went by, and, you know, we were enjoying that, and he was enjoying the new club, and I was out there mowing the lawn. Some of you already know where it's going. Don't blow it, all right? Don't blow it. I'm sitting there, man. I'm mowing along. I'm riding on the lawnmower, and all of a sudden, pow! And I'm like, what in the world? And I looked over, and two pieces of one club went out. Out in the yard. And it turns out the little fellow was out there playing around, and he just got careless with what was given to him. And he left him laying there in the yard, and I ran it over and busted it, that club and split it into two. 
Listen, I, I, I realize, you know, he was just a little guy. And, I, and I'm not trying to embarrass him in any way, shape, or form. I think, I think probably all of us could remember back to when we were kids and had something given to us and we didn't treat it with the respect we should have. And we were careless with it. I was thinking about, I think one time I left my bike, my, my bicycle out behind my dad's uh, truck and he ran it over one time. So we've all, listen, we've all done those things. But what I'm trying to get across to you is this. Please listen to this. I've seen adults do this with the things of God. I've seen us take the things of God and let them just be, be basically trampled over in our life because we do nothing with what God has given to us. And you need to understand something this morning. You need to understand when it comes to the gift of salvation, it is a gift. It is not of works. It is the gift of God lest any man should boast. God gave, listen, but here's the thing. You've got to understand this. It may not cost you and me anything, but that doesn't mean it costs anything. Does that make sense? Some of you are looking at me like a calf in a new gate. Hopefully that came out the right way to say this. It doesn't cost us anything, but it did cost something. Is everybody catching this? It cost God His only begotten Son. That He gave Himself on the cross of Calvary to die for our sin, to shed His blood so that we can be forgiven of our sin and have eternal life. I'm just saying to you, friend, that this was the plan of God from the foundation of the world. So it's not like God winked at this. This was a very serious thing that everything in the Word of God centers on His Son. And if it centers on Him, then, friend, we ought to cherish Him. But the gifts don't just stop there, do they? Because even in John's Gospel, in John's Gospel, Jesus says this, all right? He says this in John 14 and verses 16 through 18. He says, and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Now, who's this, who, who is this comforter? Well, here's what He says. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And by the way, he did do that. You understand? He did send the comforter. This happened on the day of Pentecost. And now every person that calls upon the name of the Lord and salvation, they are indwelt with this spirit of truth. And He is there to guide us according to the truth and into a life following Jesus Christ. And like our salvation, I would say to you this morning, it would be utterly wrong for the child of God to let a gift like this be trampled upon while we live in sin in the wickedness of this world. God, God didn't give us those things so that we can go back to the old life. He gave us those things so that we can have a new life. And we can live in Him. And what Paul's saying is this, is that because of these things God has given us, we are debtors to do so. We're debtors to do so. And he begins to lay this thing out. Let me, let me give you some things here that he begins to lay out to these believers in Rome. I believe this. I think that he begins to lay out this. There is supposed to be a difference. Look at what he says in verse number 5. He says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, 
For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do you see the contrast there? And I want to, I want to point out something to you that, that right here in these verses, all the way down through verse 8, and I didn't read verse 8, we'll read it in a minute, but, but there are three groups that we're introduced to here. Okay? We are introduced to the flesh, we are introduced to the spirit, but then we're also introduced to the carnal. You catch that? The, the flesh is obviously represented by those who are lost. Come on, you awake this morning? I mean, listen, we're just now getting into this thing. I got a long way to go. Don't doze off now. Some of you are like, why not? I get a long nap. Yeah, but you're going to miss something incredibly important right here. In fact, it could have to do with your very soul. Please, please understand this, friend. This, this flesh right here, this is talking about the lost. It's talking about somebody that's not saved. Whether it's, a, whether it's a, a Jew trusting in the works of the law or a Gentile living under sin or immorality. Right? That, that's the flesh. And the carnal are those who have been saved. But here's the thing. They're still living like those in the flesh. Alright? And again, it's a Gentile believer going back to the idolatry and the immorality that they were saved out of. Or the Jewish believer going back to the law. But then he talks about the spirit, the spiritual. Those are those who are saved and submitted to the Spirit of God in their lives, and they're following the commandments of Christ, and they're growing in their faith. And I would say to you, that's obviously where every one of us need to be. But here's the point of these verses. Of those three, the flesh and the carnal and the Spirit, all right, watch this, there's an incredibly drastic difference. When you look at the flesh and the carnal versus the Spirit, that's what he's saying. Now, I know, I know, you know, some of you are already going, well, listen, preacher, this is, we, we know these things. Yeah, I know we know these things, but here's the thing. Not everybody knows these things. In fact, I mentioned a moment ago, talking about the form of Christianity that's in America today that calls zero responsibility to God's people. And, and I'm just telling you, friend, that's exactly what's happening today. That this idea that you can repeat some meaningless prayer and make a profession of Jesus Christ, yet not experience any change in your life. And I'm just telling you, that's not Bible Christianity. There is an expectation that when you are made alive in Jesus Christ, there's going to be some difference in your life. And Paul begins to lay that out right here to these believers. These that have gone back to the old ways. And he's saying, don't you understand? Don't you understand? You've been given these things because God expects there to be a difference. Here's what he says. He says there's a difference in the things that interest us. Look at what he says in verse number 5. He says, they that are of the flesh, he says, they do mind the things of the flesh. That phrase, do mind, means this, to have interest in. And you know what the flesh is interested in? They're interested in the temporal. That's what the lost is interested in. Come on, I'm just, I'm just telling you. Why do you think they're not at church? Well, you understand? Because they're interested in the temporal things of, of this world. The worldly, the sinful, the evil, the immoral. And, and, and however, watch this, there's supposed to be this conflict of interest, literally. All right? For the spiritual. Because the spiritual, he goes on and says this. He says, he, he says, but they that are after the Spirit, all right, 
the things of the Spirit, meaning this, they do mind the things of the Spirit. They're interested in the spiritual, the things of God. What the Bible has to say, prayer with God, serving God, living unto God, growing in God. i got to be honest with you. I think, I think this. I think for anyone in here that's been saved, and you can look back at your old life, you, you would be able to say this. Yeah, I could relate to that. I, I know that I could. I, I know that before I got saved, my interests were vastly different. I'm just telling you. I mean, Sunday morning? Psh. I lost some of you right there. All right, left, oh, sorry, I'm left-handed. You've got to forgive My interests were different. Is everybody getting this? Temporal. No, no, no. I don't, I don't want to sit here and glorify sin, but I'm telling you, evil. Wicked. Ungodly. That was the things that interested me. That was the things that my mind dwelt on. That was where, that was where I was at. But, but I'm just saying, when I, listen, and, here, and here's the thing, friend, and, and this is what you got to understand. You don't have to be out there in the world and doing all those things right now to, 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 have, to have a mind consumed with that. You can be in here right now, and that's where your mind is at. You can be in here right now going, is this guy going to quit yelling? The answer to that is no. Is he going to hurry up? Because I got stuff I got to do. I got this going on, and I got this ball game coming on, and I got this tournament I got to watch on TV, and I got this and the other, and I got this going. I need I got to go play this video game, and I got to do this, and I got to do that, and it's all temporal. See, but son, when I got saved, everything changed. I'm just telling you, things changed. There was a difference in my answer. All of a sudden, I was interested in going to church. No, 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 I was interested in going Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And I was interested in being faithful in Sunday school. I was interested in serving God. It was weird, man. I started picking up my Bible and reading it. And nobody had to go, hey, bless God, you need to read your Bible. I just knew I needed to be in the Bible. Amazing how that happens. I needed to hear from God. This was what else was weird. All of a sudden, I could understand a little bit of it. Well, why? Because there was a spirit within me that was different. And this, this was really, really, really weird. There was like this music at church that when I came in as a lost man, I was like, man, this is weird. But I got saved and I was like, hmm, this is good. Is everybody getting this? I'm just saying there was a difference in my entry. Be, be a fact, look at, what else, look at what else he goes on to say. Look at verse number six. He says this, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I would say to you this, he's talking about a difference in outcomes, isn't he? And notice the change to carnally minded, which refers to a saved person living like a lost person. Well, why, why is that? Well, here's why. Because the outcome is the same when you live under the flesh. Well, your soul, listen, praise God if you're saved, your soul is secure in Christ. If you don't believe that, you better read the end of the chapter here. Because I'm just telling you, friend, I mean, he covers all the bases here that, that, that whether, listen, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things that come, 
uh, present things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if you're saved, your soul is secure in Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, friend, if you live after the flesh, it will feel like you're lost. It just feels like you're spiritually dead on the inside. But it's amazing that when you live under the Spirit, how different it is. How there is peace. How there is life. Oh, listen, abundant life. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, I just, listen, I, and I'm just telling you, I, I know, again, I, I could relate to that. I don't think that I could put in words what I experienced in my soul before I got saved. The misery. The fear. The turmoil. But son, you're talking about, listen, and I, and I know this. I know at times when I'm carnal and I'm away from God. I sure you never get that way, but I do. And I know this, that in those times, that same fear and insecurity begins to well up within me again. But it's amazing, friend, that when you submit yourself to Christ and you walk with Him and you're filled with His Spirit, there is no greater life. The fullness of God and His joy and His presence and dwelling with Him. Son, you can't put that into words. There's a difference. There's a difference there. In fact, there's a difference in relationship. Look at what he says in verse 7. He says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And the word enmity means hostility, as in opposition. It's literally this, to be an enemy of God. Please listen to this. A person that's saved... I'm sorry, a person that's lost cannot be pleasing unto God. Why, why is that? Here's why. Because you've rejected His Son. And you, you cannot reject Jesus Christ but still have a relationship with the God of heaven and earth. I, I'm just, listen, you, you, I, I'm just telling you, you come up to me and go, you know, preacher, I really like you, but I can't stand your kids. I'm just telling you right now, we're not going to be friends. You're not going to reject the Son of God and then have some moment, well, you know, I'm still a spiritual person. No, you're lost. Well, you know, preacher, I mean, listen, you got your thing, but I, I got my baptism and I got my church membership and and, 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 and that's what the, the Pope told us to do so that we could get to heaven. Listen, no, you've rejected Jesus Christ. The, you want to please God. Here's what God says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is. And He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He is what, preacher? Just He is. He is God. And He sent His only Son to die for you so that you can be saved. And the only way to be saved and the only way to have a right relationship with God and to be one of His children is this, to be bought with the blood of Jesus Christ because you came to Him by faith. 
But look at verse number 7. Because he says this, he says, because the carnal mind is enmity with God. It's, it's a carnal mind. So, so in other words, this means that even we who are saved, listen, when we refuse to live by faith, we can be at enmity with God. Do, do you not understand? That's exactly what James said when he was confronting the believers that he was writing in his epistle. He said in James 4, 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? He says, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Look at, look at verse number 14 of Romans chapter 8. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, <laughs> they are the sons of God. You, you understand? Listen, come on. You understand that relationship and fellowship in the Bible is two different things. Relationship is based upon birth and to be born into the family of God. And by the way, that never changes. But you can be a child of God. And my friend, you get off into the carnal and start living like the lost and you mark it down, you're not going to fellowship with a high and holy and lofted up God. Fellowship's going to be broken. And it's going to feel like you're lost. And I'm just telling you what Paul is saying is this. It's very different. It, it's very different when you're living, when you're saved, and you're living according to the old life, and you're not obedient to the things of God, and you're full of pride, and you're full of rebellion. There's distance between you and the Heavenly Father. There's a broken fellowship that's there. But when you submit yourself to a life lived in the Spirit of God, fellowship is restored. Condemnation is removed. You're right with God. You're filled with God. His presence is there. His power is in your life. Ah, it's completely different. That's what he's saying. There's an expectation that your life should be different. And here's why. Here's why. Because there's someone dwelling inside of you. And that's what he begins to deal with. Look at what he says. He says in verse number, verse number 9, he says this, But ye, notice the pronoun change, talking to the saints in Rome now. He says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Do you know this? That means this. Watch this. Please, please listen to this. I'm nowhere near done, so you better wake up. But you better, listen, listen, please listen to this. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you better grab hold of this. This is the most important part of this message. You better wake up right here. Because you need to understand something. That the same Spirit of God that indwelled those believers is the same Spirit of God that indwells believers right now. And you know what Paul begins to do? He begins to do a spiritual checkup. And here's why. Because you, when you've got a bunch of people that claim to know Christ as Savior, but yet they're living according to this world, then something is wrong. Something's wrong. And either you are flesh, and you're lost, or you're carnal. And you're definitely not where you need to be with God. And He offers a spiritual checkup. And he begins to confront them. In fact, here's what he does. I mean, it's basically an ultimatum here. And he says this in verse 9. He says, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Watch this. If, if so be 
that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Do you know what that means? That means this. If the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in you this morning, that means this. You're lost and you need to be saved. That's the checkup. So realizing the seriousness of this, I think we ought to be clear on some things, don't you? Come on, I, I mean, the Bible does say, no, no, no. It says to examine yourselves and see whether you be in the faith. And that's what Paul's saying to them, essentially. And so before you and I begin to freak out, I, I think this, that we have, to, we have to be clear on some things here. And the first thing that I would say to you is this, is that if you've called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, then you have been born again and indwelt with the Spirit of God. <laughs> See, we, we, just, we live in this old wicked world with all this fallen men and false doctrines. And I'm going to tell you something, listen to this, contrary to the false doctrine of the Charismatics, to call upon Jesus and to be indwelt with the Spirit of God, those are synonymous with being born again. It is one moment in your life, not two separate events. That means this. Listen to this. That means, that, 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 that means this. You don't call upon Christ and then go home and lay in the bathroom floor for four days until you start flopping around like a fish and speaking in some unknown gibberish. That's not Bible. Look at the day of Pentecost, friend. Every man heard that, that with, uh, preach in his own tongue, his own language. Friend, the Bible says, try the spirits and see whether they be of God. How do you do that? Here, here's what I know. I know who the author is. It's the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God is never going to lead you into something contrary to what He wrote. Is everybody catching this? So let's, let's go to the Scriptures just very, very quickly. And I want you to see this, and I want you to follow along with me, all right? So, so let's look at some passages here just quickly, and then we'll get back to Romans chapter 8, and about 2 o'clock we can have a late lunch. I'm just kidding. Probably be more like 1.30. No, I'm just kidding. Look at John chapter 3, just quickly. John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, you and I know the story of Nicodemus, right? The Pharisee, the ruler of the Jews that came to Jesus by night in, verses, in verse number 1 and begins to ask Jesus about the miracles and that no man can do those things except God be with him. Well, Jesus goes right to the point in verse number 3. Here's what He says. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If I could say it like this, that is the exact same ultimatum that Paul gives in Romans chapter 8. Unless the Spirit of God dwell in you, you are none of His. That's what Jesus said. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now Nicodemus is still in the flesh. So in verse number 4, he asks the question, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter in the second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's weird. <laughs> but Jesus was talking spiritually, wasn't he? Come on, and he clears it up. In verse number 5, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, watch this, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now wait, 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 wait. Born of the water? 
Is that baptism? Nope. Because he clears it up. In verse number 6, look at what he says. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. What happens every time a child is born? What breaks? The water. He's talking to Nicodemus here, and Nicodemus is talking about, can you enter into the womb a second time? And Jesus says, no, that's weird. And they Greek, that's what that means. That's weird. I'm just kidding. No, he says, no. No, you've already, everybody here this morning, raise your hand if you've been born of the flesh. You've been physically birthed. Some of you aren't raising your hand. You're lying. Stop it. Everybody here has been born of the flesh. But Jesus says this, to, be, to see the kingdom of heaven, to see the kingdom of to go to heaven when you die, you got to be born again. And that new birth is to be born of the Spirit. To be indwelt with Him. It's exactly what Paul's saying. Now watch, now watch it. Okay, so now watch this. So the same human author that the Spirit of God uses to pen this in John, he also uses him to clear this up in 1 John chapter 5. So go to 1 John chapter 5. If you were in Sunday school, you already saw this. Look at 1 John chapter 5 at the end of the Bible. Okay, here's what he says. <laughs> I love the Bible. It just makes it so easy. Look at what it says in verse number 1 of John, 1 John chapter 5. He says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is what? Born of God. Did you see that? Now, come on. Now, now you got to understand that the word believe right there, that's more than accepting the facts. That's putting your faith and trust in. But what it's saying is this, is that the moment, listen, the moment you're under conviction of the Spirit of God, you realize you're a sinner and you're going to die and go to hell for all eternity, and the Spirit of God's also working in you to convince you of the truth of Christ. And what he's saying is this, is that the moment you turn from who you are and your sin and your life, and you turn unto Christ and you believe upon Him and you call out to Him in salvation, the very moment that you did that, you were born again. You were born of God. You were indwelt with the Spirit of God. They are one and the same. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. In fact, let's go one more place here really quickly. Look at Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter number 1. Look at Ephesians chapter number 1. And just stay with me because I'm going somewhere with this. Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse number 12. Okay, I want you to see the context here because here's what it says, that we should be to the praise of His glory, again, the expectation of change, who first trusted in Christ. Okay, in whom ye also trusted, verse 13 is the key verse, in whom, talking about Christ, ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Okay, now did you see the word trusted and the word believed? Those two words are synonymous? That, that means this, that it's, it's faith. It's, an establish, it's establishing a relationship with God. Is everybody catching that? It's not going, well, you know, I just believe there is a God, preacher. No, 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 no. Because the devil and his angels believe there is a God. 
So it's not enough to just believe in the existence of God. That's accepting the facts. It's to put your trust in, which is faith, in establishing a relationship with the God of heaven through His Son Christ. And the moment that you do that, He says this, you're sealed with the Spirit of redemption. You're sealed with the Spirit of God. Not all, listen, not only are you secure in Jesus Christ because you're sealed, but I'm telling you, that's, the same, that's an instantaneous moment. The moment that you put your faith in Christ, you are saved. You are born again. You are indwelt with the Spirit of God. Now here's the test that you've got to ask you. Did I call upon Christ? Did, did I put my faith and trust in Him? Did you? Because if you haven't, then you're still in the flesh. And you need to be saved. There's one more test. Look at verse number 10. Romans chapter 8. It's like I preached 25 minutes last Sunday and I'm cashing it all in right now, ain't I? Some of you are going, you need to get back on NyQuil. Look at verse number 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life because of righteousness. You, you understand, friend, what he's saying here is this. And this is the other test. If Christ be in you, then the Holy Spirit is in you. And the way that you can know that is by the fruit that you, He's bringing in your life. And I realize the righteousness here is certainly talking about the righteousness of Christ received in salvation. But I believe it also says this, that there ought to be that same fruit beginning to manifest itself out of us. In fact, if you go back to Romans chapter 6 and you look at verse number 23... It says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But look at verse number 22, because he says, But now being made free from sin and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto what? Unto holiness. Y'all with me? I only heard three people say holiness. You understand what he's saying is this, is that this ought to be some of the fruit in your life. What he's saying is this, is that those verses that we just looked at, where there's an expectation that things would be different, what Paul is saying here is this, is not only ask yourself, did you call upon Christ? Does the Spirit of God dwell in you? But one of the ways you can also know that is by looking back at your life and going, you know what? Is there some of those differences? Did my interests change? Do, do all of a sudden I, I, I want to be in church. I enjoy church. And even sometimes I don't really care how long he preaches. <laughs> did my interests change? Did, did, did things in my life change? Did the outcome change? Am I now enjoying life and, and peace in my life? Or am I still lead up with doubt and fear and insecurity? Hello? Do I sense His presence in my life? Does His Word speak to me at times? Amen. 
or is it just nothing? And Paul's saying this, friend, there's, there's a difference there. There's supposed to be this difference. And, and I would say to you that the acid test that Paul says is this, basically this, did you call upon Christ? Is there fruit of the Spirit in your life? And if the answer to those questions is yes, man, glory, hallelujah. But if you're here this morning and looking at me and going, well, you know, preacher, I'd, no, I've I, I never called upon the Lord. Because you can be sitting right here and never had a time where you really genuinely called upon the Lord. Then, my friend, you need to be saved right now. Right now you need to deal with this. Or if you're sitting here this morning going, man, preacher, I'm just, I'm just struggling in my life and I doubt sometimes and I wrestle with things sometimes, then you've got to ask yourself, did you call upon the name of the Lord to be saved? Yes. Then are you submitting to the Spirit of God in your life? Because you need to understand this. If your fellowship with God is not what it should be, then you're not going to enjoy the blessings of that. And maybe God's using that to get the spiritual attention He deserves in your life. The truth of the matter is, every one of us in here this morning, we ought to be able to answer, yes, I've called upon the name of the Lord. And we ought to be able to answer, yes, I, I do see a difference in my life. And I'm battling it out, preacher, and I'm trying to submit my life to the Spirit of God. That ought to be every one of us this morning. And here's why. Because we're debtors to it. Friend, you listen to me. Listen to me. And I'm done. I'm done. Really, I am. I'm serious. After about 30 anymore. You think about the gifts that we've been given. I, I think about the heritages that are here. I think about the Christian families that are represented here this morning. I, I think about the heritage of this church. I, I think about, man, we were, we were talking about, you know, Faith Baptist Church um, at the couples retreat. I, I can't remember who it was. We were just talking about the heritage of this church and staying on the old paths and things like that. I think it was actually, I think it was Brother Padilla that we were talking about that. And I said, yep. I said, man, I praise God for that. And I'm just telling you right now, I, I find myself basically on a weekly, if not daily basis, praising God for the heritage of this church. And, and even what's been, handed, what's been handed to me as the pastor of this church from Brother E.J. Watson for 50 years. Well, listen, listen to me. What, what kind of guy would I be if I took all of that and just said, you know what, we're going to go in a different direction? Or if I just said, you know, this is all cool, and we're just going to kind of hang out and ride her till Jesus comes. And we did nothing with it. Every one of you are looking at me like, that's not right. Exactly! That would be trampling upon what's been given to me! then why in the world are we trampling upon what's been given to us in salvation? You, you understand, friend, praise God for the heritages, but there's something far greater that you've been given and I've been given in salvation in Jesus Christ, in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God in our life. And we want to spend it by living for the sin and wickedness of this world and coming into the house of God and going, you know, just go ahead, preacher, and preach. I'm not listening. I'm going to do what I want to do. You're trampling what God's given you. You're trampling it. And what Paul's saying is this, when really you ought to have an attitude of gratefulness and thankfulness. 
Because God looked upon you and saved your soul. He's given you the Spirit of God in your life so that He can lead you and guide you into a whole lot better life. And you ought to realize you're a debtor to that. Can I ask you something? Are you of the flesh? Or are you really genuinely of the Spirit? Let's all stand.